0: chapter 1 of three years this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by expatriate in bangor maine three years by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett 1861 to 1946 chapter 1 it was dark and already lights had begun to gleam here and there in the houses and a pale moon was rising behind the barracks at the end of the street laptev was sitting on a bench by the gate waiting for the end of the evening service at the church of st peter and st paul he was reckoning that yulia sergeyevna would pass by on her way from the service and then he would speak to her and perhaps spend the whole evening with her he had been sitting there for an hour and a half already and all that time his imagination had been busy picturing his moscow rooms his moscow friends his man pyotr and his writing-table he gazed half-wonderingly at the dark motionless trees and it seemed strange to him that he was living now not in his summer villa at sokolniki but in a provincial town in a house by which a great herd of cattle was driven every morning and evening accompanied by terrible clouds of dust and the blowing of a horn he thought of long conversations in which he had taken part quite lately in moscow conversations in which it had been maintained that one could live without love that passionate love was an obsession that finally there is no such love but only a physical attraction between the sexes and so on in the same style he remembered them and thought mournfully that if he were asked now what love was he could not have found an answer the service was over the people began to appear laptev strained his eyes gazing at the dark figures the bishop had been driven by in his carriage the bells had stopped ringing and the red and green lights in the belfry were one after another extinguished there had been an illumination as it was dedication day but the people were still coming out, lingering, talking, and standing still under the windows. But at last Laptev heard a familiar voice. His heart began beating violently, and he was overcome with despair on seeing that Yulia Sergeyevna was not alone, but walking with two ladies. Oh, it's awful, it's awful, he whispered, feeling jealous. It's awful. At the corner of the lane, she stopped to say goodbye to the ladies, and while doing so, glanced at Loptov i was coming to see you he said i'm coming for a chat with your father is he at home most likely she answered it's early for him to have gone to the club there were gardens all along the lane and a row of lime trees growing by the fence cast a broad patch of shadow in the moonlight so that the gate and the fences were completely plunged in darkness on one side from which came the sounds of women whispering smothered laughter and someone playing softly on a balalaika there was the fragrance of lime-flowers and of hay this fragrance and the murmur of the unseen whisperers worked upon loptov he was all at once overwhelmed with a passionate longing to throw his arms round his companion to shower kisses on her face her hands her shoulders to burst into sobs to fall at her feet and to tell her how long he had been waiting for her a faint scarcely perceptible scent of incense hung about her and that scent reminded him of the time when he too believed in god and used to go to evening service and when he used to dream so much of pure romantic love and it seemed to him that because this girl did not love him all possibility of the happiness he had dreamed of then was lost to him forever she began speaking sympathetically of the illness of his sister nina Two months before, his sister had undergone an operation for cancer, and now everyone was expecting a return of the disease. I went to see her this morning, said Yulia Sergeyevna, and it seemed to me that during the last week she has not exactly grown thin, but has, as it were, faded. Yes, yes, Laptev agreed. There's no return of the symptoms, but every day I notice she grows weaker and weaker and is wasting before my eyes. I don't understand what's the matter with her oh dear and how strong she used to be plump and rosy said yulia sergeyevna after a moment's silence everyone here used to call her the moscow lady how she used to laugh on holidays she used to dress up like a peasant girl and it suited her so well dr sergey Borisovich was at home he was a stout red-faced man wearing a long coat that reached below his knees and looking as though he had short legs he was pacing up and down his study with his hands in his pockets and humming to himself in an undertone Ru 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 ru. his great whiskers looked unkempt and his hair was unbrushed as though he had just got out of bed and his study with pillows on the sofa with stacks of papers in the corners and with a dirty invalid poodle lying under the table produced the same impression of unkemptness and untidiness as himself monsieur laptev wants to see you his daughter said to him going into his study he hummed louder than ever and turning into the drawing-room gave his hand to laptev and asked what good news have you to tell me it was dark in the drawing-room laptev still standing with his hat in his hand began apologizing for disturbing him he asked what was to be done to make his sister sleep at night and why she was growing so thin and he was embarrassed by the thought that he had asked those very questions at his visit that morning tell me he said wouldn't it be as well to send for some specialist on internal diseases from moscow what do you think of it the doctor sighed shrugged his shoulders and made a vague gesture with his hands it was evident that he was offended he was a very huffy man prone to take offence and always ready to suspect that people did not believe in him that he was not recognized or properly respected, that his patients exploited him, and that his colleagues showed him ill will. He was always jeering at himself, saying that fools like him were only made for the public to ride roughshod over them. Yulia Sergeyevna lighted the lamp. She was tired out with the service, and that was evident from her pale, exhausted face and her weary step. She wanted to rest she sat down on the sofa put her hands on her lap and sank into thought laptev knew that he was ugly and now he felt as though he were conscious of his ugliness all over his body he was short thin with ruddy cheeks and his hair had grown so thin that his head felt cold in his expression there was none of that refined simplicity which makes even rough ugly faces attractive in the society of women he was awkward over-talkative affected and now he almost despised himself for it. He must talk that Yulia Sergeyevna might not be bored in his company. But what about? About his sister's illness again? And he began to talk about medicine, saying what is usually said. He approved of hygiene and said that he had long ago wanted to found a night refuge in Moscow. In fact, he had already calculated the cost of it according to his plan the workmen who came in the evening to the night refuge were to receive a supper of hot cabbage soup with bread a warm dry bed with a rug and a place for drying their clothes and their boots yulia sergeyevna was usually silent in his presence and in a strange way perhaps by the instinct of a lover he divined her thoughts and intentions and now from the fact that after the evening service she had not gone to her room to change her dress and drink tea he deduced that she was going to pay some visit elsewhere but i'm in no hurry with the night refuge he went on speaking with vexation and irritability and addressing the doctor who looked at him as it were blankly and in perplexity evidently unable to understand what induced him to raise the question of medicine and hygiene and most likely it will be a long time, too, before I make use of our estimate. I fear our night shelter will fall into the hands of our pious humbugs and philanthropic ladies who always ruin any undertaking. Yulia Sergeyevna got up and held out her hand to Laptov. Excuse me, she said, it's time for me to go. Please give my love to your sister. roo roo roo, roo. hummed the doctor. Ru Yulia Sergeyevna went out. And after staying a little longer, Laptev said goodbye to the doctor and went home. When a man is dissatisfied and feels unhappy, how trivial seem to him the shapes of the lime trees, the shadows, the clouds, all the beauties of nature so complacent, so indifferent. By now the moon was high up in the sky, and the clouds were scudding quickly below. But how naive and provincial the moon is, how threadbare and poultry the clouds, thought Loptov he felt ashamed of the way he had talked just now about medicine and the night refuge he felt with horror that next day he would not have will enough to resist trying to see her and talk to her again and would again be convinced that he was nothing to her and the day after it would be the same with what object and how and when would it all end at home he went in to see his sister nina fyodorovna still looked strong and gave the impression of being a well-built vigorous woman but her striking pallor made her look like a corpse especially when as now she was lying on her back with her eyes closed her eldest daughter sasha a girl of ten years old was sitting beside her reading aloud from her reading book alyosha has come the invalid said softly to herself there had long been established between sasha and her uncle a tacit compact to take turns in sitting with the patient on this occasion sasha closed her reading book and without uttering a word went softly out of the room Laptev took an historical novel from the chest of drawers and looking for the right page sat down and began reading it aloud nina fyodorovna was born in moscow of a merchant family she and her two brothers had spent their childhood and early youth living at home in piatnitsky street their childhood was long and wearisome her father treated her sternly and had even on two or three occasions flogged her and her mother had had a long illness and died the servants were coarse dirty and hypocritical the house was frequented by priests and monks also hypocritical they ate and drank and coarsely flattered her father whom they did not like the boys had the good fortune to go to school while nina was left practically uneducated all her life she wrote an illegible scroll and had read nothing but historical novels seventeen years ago when she was twenty-two on a summer holiday at himki she made the acquaintance of her present husband a landowner called panarov had fallen in love with him and married him secretly against her father's will panarov a handsome rather impudent fellow who whistled and lighted his cigarette from the holy lamp struck the father as an absolutely worthless person and when the son-in-law began in his letters demanding a dowry, the old man wrote to his daughter that he would send her furs, silver, and various articles that had been left her at her mother's death, as well as 30,000 rubles, but without his paternal blessing. Later he sent another 20,000. This money, as well as the dowry, was spent. The estate had been sold, and Panaroff moved with his family to the town and got a job in a provincial government office in the town he formed another tie and had a second family and this was the subject of much talk as his illicit family was not a secret nina fyodorovna adored her husband and now listening to the historical novel she was thinking how much she had gone through in her life how much she had suffered and that if anyone were to describe her life it would make a very pathetic story as the tumour was in her breast she was persuaded that love and her domestic grief were the cause of her illness, and that jealousy and tears had brought her to her hopeless state. At last, Alexey Fyodorovitch closed the book and said, that's the end, and thank God for it. Tomorrow we'll begin a new one. Nina Fyodorovna laughed. She had always been given to laughter, but of late Laptev had begun to notice that at moments her mind seemed weakened by illness, and she would laugh at the smallest trifle, and even without any cause at all. Yulia came before dinner while you were out, she said. So far as I can see, she hasn't much faith in her papa. Let papa go on treating you, she said, but write in secret to the holy elder to pray for you too. There is a holy man somewhere here. Yulia forgot her parasol here. You must take it to her tomorrow, she went on after a brief pause. No, when the end comes, neither doctors nor holy men are any help. Nina, why can't you sleep at night? Loptov asked to change the subject oh well i don't go to sleep that's all i lie and think what do you think about dear about the children about you about my life i've gone through a great deal alyosha you know when one begins to remember and remember my god she laughed it's no joke to have borne five children as i have to have buried three sometimes i was expecting to be confined while my Grigory nikolaitch would be sitting at that very time with another woman there would be no one to send for the doctor or the midwife i would go into the passage or the kitchen for the servant and there jews tradesmen money-lenders would be waiting for him to come home my head used to go round he did not love me though he never said so openly now i've grown calmer it doesn't weigh on my heart but in old days when i was younger it hurt me ah how it hurt me darling once while we were still in the country i found him in the garden with a lady and i walked away i walked on aimlessly and i don't know how but i found myself in the church porch i fell on my knees queen of heaven i said and it was night the moon was shining she was exhausted she began gasping for breath then after resting a little she took her brother's hand and went on in a weak toneless voice how kind you are alyosha and how clever what a good man you've grown up into. At midnight Laptev said good night to her, and as he went away he took with him the parasol that Yulia Sergeyevna had forgotten. In spite of the late hour, the servants, male and female, were drinking tea in the dining-room. How disorderly! The children were not in bed, but were there in the dining-room too. They were all talking softly in undertones and had not noticed that the lamp was smoking and would soon go out all these people big and little were disturbed by a whole succession of bad omens and were in an oppressed mood the glass in the hall had been broken the samovar had been buzzing every day and as though on purpose was even buzzing now they were describing how a mouse had jumped out of nina fyodorovna's boot when she was dressing and the children were quite aware of the terrible significance of these omens the elder girl sasha a thin little brunette was sitting motionless at the table and her face looked scared and woe-begone while the younger lida a chubby fair child of seven stood beside her sister looking from under her brows at the light laptev went downstairs to his own rooms in the lower story where under the low ceilings it was always close and smelt of geraniums in his sitting-room, Panoroff, Nina Fyodorovna's husband, was sitting reading the newspaper. Laptev nodded to him and sat down opposite. Both sat still and said nothing. They used to spend whole evenings like this without speaking, and neither of them was in the least put out by this silence. The little girls came down from upstairs to say good-night deliberately and in silence Paneroff made the sign of the cross over them several times and gave them his hand to kiss they dropped curtsies and then went up to Laptoff, who had to make the sign of the cross and give them his hand to kiss also this ceremony with the hand-kissing and curtsying was repeated every evening when the children had gone out panarov laid aside the newspaper and said it's not very lively in our god-fearing town i must confess my dear fellow he added with a sigh i'm very glad that at last you've found some distraction what do you mean asked Laptev. i saw you coming out of dr bielavin's just now i expect you don't go there for the sake of the papa oh of course not said Laptev, and he blushed well of course not and by the way you wouldn't find such another old brute as that papa if you hunted by daylight with a candle You can't imagine what a foul, stupid, clumsy beast he is. You cultured people in the capitals are still interested in the provinces only on the lyrical side, only from the passage and poor Anton point of view. But I can assure you, my boy, there's nothing lyrical about it. There's nothing but barbarism, meanness and nastiness, that's all. Take the local devotees of science, the local intellectuals, so to speak can you imagine there are here in this town twenty-eight doctors they've all made their fortunes and they are living in houses of their own and meanwhile the population is in just as helpless a condition as ever here nina had to have an operation quite an ordinary one really yet we were obliged to get a surgeon from moscow not one doctor here would undertake it it's beyond all conception they know nothing they understand nothing they take no interest in anything Ask them, for instance, what cancer is, what it is, what it comes from. And Panarov began to explain what cancer was. He was a specialist on all scientific subjects and explained from a scientific point of view everything that was discussed. But he explained it all in his own way. He had a theory of his own about the circulation of the blood, about chemistry, about astronomy. He talked slowly, softly, convincingly. It's beyond all conception, he pronounced in an imploring voice, screwing up his eyes, sighing languidly and smiling as graciously as a king, and it was evident that he was very well satisfied with himself and never gave a thought to the fact that he was fifty. I am rather hungry, said Laptev. I should like something savoury. Well, that can easily be managed. Not long afterwards, Laptev and his brother-in-law were sitting upstairs in the dining-room having supper laptov had a glass of vodka and then began drinking wine panaroff drank nothing he never drank and never gambled yet in spite of that he had squandered all his own and his wife's property and had accumulated debts to squander so much in such a short time one must have not passions but a special talent panaroff liked dainty fare liked the handsome dinner service liked music after dinner speeches bowing footmen to whom he would carelessly fling tips of ten, even twenty-five roubles. He always took part in all lotteries and subscriptions. Sent bouquets to ladies of his acquaintance on their birthdays. Bought cups, stands for glasses, studs, ties, walking sticks, scents, cigarette holders, pipes, lap dogs, parrots, Japanese bric-a-brac, antiques. He had silk night shirts and a bedstead made of ebony inlaid with mother of pearl. His dressing gown was a genuine bokhara, and everything was to correspond. And on all this there went every day, as he himself expressed, a deluge of money. At supper he kept sighing and shaking his head. Yes, everything on this earth has an end, he said softly, screwing up his dark eyes. You will fall in love and suffer. You will fall out of love. You will be deceived, for there is no woman who will not deceive you will suffer will be brought to despair and will be faithless too but the time will come when all this will be a memory and when you will reason about it coldly and look upon it as utterly trivial laptov tired a little drunk looked at his handsome head his clipped black beard and seemed to understand why women so loved this pampered conceited and physically handsome creature after supper panarov did not stay in the house but went off to his other lodgings laptev went out to see him on his way Paneroff was the only man in the town who wore a top hat and his elegant dandified figure his top hat and tan gloves beside the grey fences the pitiful little houses with their three windows and the thickets of nettles always made a strange and mournful impression after saying good-bye to him laptev returned home without hurrying the moon was shining brightly one could distinguish every straw on the ground and Laptev felt as though the moonlight were caressing his bare head as though someone were passing a feather over his hair i love he pronounced aloud and he had a sudden longing to run to overtake panarov to embrace him to forgive him to make him a present of a lot of money and then to run off into the open country into a wood to run on and on without looking back at home he saw lying on the chair the parasol yulia sergeyevna had forgotten he snatched it up and kissed it greedily the parasol was a silk one no longer new tied round with old elastic the handle was a cheap one of white bone laptev opened it over him and he felt as though there were the fragrance of happiness about him he settled himself more comfortably in his chair and still keeping hold of the parasol began writing to moscow to one of his friends dear precious kostya here is news for you i am in love again i say again because six years ago i fell in love with a moscow actress though i didn't even succeed in making her acquaintance and for the last year and a half i have been living with a certain person you know a woman neither young nor good-looking ah my dear boy how unlucky i am in love i've never had any success with women and if i say again it's simply because it's rather sad and mortifying to acknowledge even to myself that my youth has passed entirely without love and that i'm in love in a real sense now for the first time in my life at thirty-four let it stand that i love again if only you knew what a girl she is she couldn't be called a beauty she has a broad face she is very thin but what a wonderful expression of goodness she has when she smiles when she speaks her voice is as clear as a bell she never carries on a conversation with me i don't know her but when i'm beside her i feel she's a striking exceptional creature full of intelligence and lofty aspirations she is religious and you cannot imagine how deeply this touches me and exalts her in my eyes on that point i am ready to argue with you endlessly You may be right to your thinking, but still I love to see her praying in church. She is a provincial, but she was educated in Moscow. She loves our Moscow. She dresses in the Moscow style, and I love her for that. Love her. Love her. I see you frowning and getting up to read me a long lecture on what love is and what sort of woman one can love and what sort one cannot and so on and so on. But, dear Kostya before i was in love i too knew quite well what love was my sister thanks you for your message she often recalls how she used to take Kostya kostjevoj to the preparatory class and never speaks of you except as poor Kostya, as she still thinks of you as the little orphan boy she remembers and so poor orphan i'm in love while it's a secret don't say anything to a certain person I think it will all come right of itself or as the footman says in tolstoy will come round when he had finished his letter laptev went to bed he was so tired that he couldn't keep his eyes open but for some reason he could not get to sleep the noise in the street seemed to prevent him the cattle were driven by to the blowing of a horn and soon afterwards the bells began ringing for early mass at one minute a cart drove by creaking At the next, he heard the voice of some woman going to market, and the sparrows twittered the whole time. End of chapter one recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.